My mother told me someday I will buy Gully with good doors, stay to distant shores, stand up on the prow, normal bark I steer, steady course to the haven, too many foemen. And we're back. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome. This is Dub on the Ump, ostensibly a baseball podcast, but it's the off-season, so we're going to be giving you a little bit of a cooking show top of the clock tonight. Thank you so much for tuning in. Tonight is Tuesday, February the 2nd, 2021. Coming at you from Champaign, Illinois, my name is Joel. With me tonight, as per usual, is Sam. Sam, how's it going? Yeah, hey Joe, I'm doing well. Top of the crock to you. Top uh, of the crock to you. I am coming at you as usual from a very snowy Brooklyn, New York. Uh, what I made this week um, was a big batch. Well, I didn't actually. Well, okay. What I ate this week was a big batch of venison bolognese, which. Um, I got uh, my girlfriend's brother, who's the hunter, who gave me all the venison that I have um, in my freezer. For Christmas, he made like a big batch of, he gave us some venison chili and some venison bolognese. um, And it wasn't quite enough. So we augmented it with more ground venison from the freezer um, and made like a really big batch of venison bolognese. And it was really good with like fresh mozzarella and Parmesan cheese on top of it over spaghetti. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Definitely. <laughs> I did. I thought you would like that. that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that's got my mouth watering. I tweeted a couple of weeks ago about your venison breakfast tacos. Oh, yeah. Folks on the internet were excited about that. Are right. you all out of venison, or do you have any left in the freezer? No, I still have some left in the freezer. Any plans for that? And, you know, we'll, we'll get to it when we come to it. Um, yeah. Yeah, I got some ground venison. Um, I got some... Um, I still have the loins, so that'll be steaks at some point. Um, and then some other cuts, uh, maybe for more stew. So, here's... The hot take about that, Sam, if you've ever thought about this, venison Cincinnati chili. Yeah, that's maybe. I gotta, I gotta try. He he made some chili like and canned it, and so I have that in the fridge, um, which you know I I'm gonna taste that and see if he made it Cincinnati style. I'm not sure. Um. Man, that sounds good. So, um, what, what is the word I'm looking for? Toppings, okay? So, like, when you're making regular chili, right, regardless of the venison, a lot of the delicious flavor and texture comes on the the toppings and the add-ons. Green onions, regular onions, cheddar cheese, radishes, for example, right? Uh Did you add any, any of those delicious... Uh, crunchies to the top of it? To the bolognese? No. Just the cheese. <clears throat> um, 
but no no crunchy crispy crunchy bits yeah Sounds good. Um, oh, we just texted the exact same thing. thing. <laughs> so, uh, I did make what we're calling the condolo chili right last week. Yeah, and I think I made some improvements and some unimprovements, some devolutions okay. of the chili. The big improvement was adding the chopped onions. Right. Adding texture and that volume like you told me to do. I failed this time. I didn't add enough tomatoes. I added some, but I needed more canned diced tomatoes, and I needed more chopped fresh tomatoes for that flavor. Uh Uh-huh. It was a little bland, and... I keep trying to up the spiciness, and I just gotta, I just gotta be brave. I just gotta be courageous and take that dive and make it a spicy chili. Because every time I try it, I think to myself, this could be spicy. Well, here's the thing, Joel, and I think I've told you this before, but you should get dried whole chili peppers mm-hmm. instead of using chili powder, because when you Put too much chili powder in, that's it. You yeah. can't. There's no going back or cayenne or whatever you're using. But if you have like a bunch of dried chilies in there, you throw them in whole, it gets to the level of spice that you want. You can just pull them out at that point. It won't get any spicier. Yeah, and I know like you have brought this up about do, is there a Mexican or Latin American food restaurant in my neighborhood? I don't know about that. I know there's a very delicious Korean grocery in my neighborhood that I could go to. And again, the pandemic um, makes that slightly more difficult. Yeah, you're going to get vaccinated tomorrow. You'll be fine. Right. (laughs) Yeah, except I'll be a a zombie, a Bill Gates zombie. Right. Yeah, that's true. You're never going to eat spicy food again, probably. (laughs) No, just... Just brains. Just brains. Right. <laughs> Bland brains. <laughs> oh, man. Don't get me started. I got some hot takes about the Matrix movie. But that'll get us uh, off task. Um, the other thing, though, that I made for the first time in a long time last night that just gave me a lot of comfort, pleasure, and joy was I did my fried chicken recipe and I love my fried chicken recipe. Cool. And um, it, it's not a southern recipe. It's just, you know, milk, flour, uh, Hungarian paprika, which I think is actually the key to it. Uh-huh. Cayenne, salt, pepper, um, rosemary also. Uh-huh. And you just... I put regular, low-quality vegetable oil in my frying pan. I dunk my chicken thighs, bone in, skin on, in the milk and the flour in the milk, and then in the frying pan. Mm, about three minutes, three minutes, three minutes, three minutes, five to six minutes per side, flip them twice, stick them in the oven at 325, uh-huh. about 20 to 30 minutes. 
Oh no, it's just crunchy, fatty, salty deliciousness, and that's all I want. In yeah, life. I also think that cold fried chicken is really good. Cold fried chicken is really good. You are one hundred percent correct about that. One thing that you got to get the grease off of it. If the grease congeals in the refrigerator, you got to get that off of it. Right. But then, yeah, there's not much better than uh, eating a cold chicken, fried chicken piece with your fingers. Right. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. Like, preferably standing in front of the open refrigerator. At 2 o'clock in the morning, asking for a drink of bottle of food. Exactly. <laughs> you just like pull that right out, just open the fridge, leave the door open, eat the fried chicken legs one after the other while you try to figure out what you're going to eat. Yeah. <laughs> so good. So goddamn good. So I'm really excited about that. I also have sweet potatoes in my cabinet after a conversation the last week. I've potatoes or sweet potatoes? I've not invested in maple syrup. Oh. Right. Gotta get the good stuff, man. Yeah. Yeah. I know. And I need good maple syrup, right? Well, you just I need, know. like, maple, maple, like, maple syrup we, that's made out of maple trees, you know? Yeah. Um, I want to, before we move on, I want to give a shout out to my mom. She was listening to a podcast last week on Top of the Croc, which everybody ought to listen to. We talk about the history of ketchup, which I think is fucking fascinating. Right. I don't know if everybody does. I think it's fascinating. Yeah, no, it is. Yeah. Um, and I was talking about my um, experiment with the Asian marinade chicken with the fish sauce and soy sauce. And my mom, as she does about once per week, texted me and told me she agrees with you, Sam. Oh, nice. But <laughs> <laughs> I need to add sugar. And uh, she said, uh, just, I don't know if she said, hot sauce or hoisin sauce to my marinade. Yeah. One of the, I, gotta, uh, I just got to stop cursing so much on the podcast, and then she'll just be totally on board with me, I think. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Um, so anyway, I'm, I'm working on that. I'm working on that. I know, I know. It's part of a, it's part of a, a geist, though. It's part of what we <laughs> Right. Cursing too much. Um, uh, before I move on, I want to give a shout out to all of our social media applications. If you are listening to us on Apple Podcasts, uh, please give us a rating, a review, and a subscription. Tell your friends about it. Uh, again, like I said, this is general, uh, ostensibly a baseball podcast, so you can finish, follow us on Twitter at Dump on the Ump. You can follow us on Instagram at Dump on the Ump, where Sam is posting delicious food uh, images. I also am posting uh, whatever the hell I'm making in my crock pot. Yeah. I'm going to make ribs. Ribs is on my to-do list. Our, our Twitter feed is ostensibly a baseball Twitter feed, and our Instagram feed is ostensibly a top of the crock food feed. So the most part. I post pictures of my cats and and Joel's cats. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so make sure you check all that out, and also listen to past episodes. Um, okay, moving on. 
Sam, you were talking about me. Now, the last couple of weeks, we've talked a lot about the fermentation process on these episodes. Yep. So last week, you were starting, correct me if I'm wrong, fermenting meat? Yeah. So I started um, a... I'll just give you a rundown of my project that I'm working on real quick, and then you can ask me some questions. But I've been reading this fermentation book and kind of supplementing it with, like, internet searches. Um, And I decided to start making a maple mead or maple wine. So I bought a couple of one-gallon glass jugs uh, and airlocks, from the local homebrew store. Um, and then, and this is weird. So anyone who like is listening to this podcast who is actually a home brewer, you might want to turn it off right now. I, or I'm just going to apologize in advance because <laughs> this is... probably quite a few of our listeners. Right. Because I know a lot of home brewers. Right. So this is, this is going to probably, you're going to be like, this is going to be like fingernails across the blackboard to you, probably. Right. Um, so I am from, grew up in Vermont and love maple syrup. I'm not sure if everyone on the pod, listening to the podcast knows that. So I decided to make a maple mead or kind of maybe a country wine. I don't know. Hooch. Maybe it's maple hooch. <laughs> so anyway, I got my maple syrup, I diluted it with water, mixed it with a bunch of uh, organic strawberries and cherries, hoping that there would be yeast on the fruit to like kickstart the fermentation process. There wasn't. Um, Nothing was going on after a couple of days. So then, and this is like probably at this point two weeks ago, I started this process. Then I went to the store and got a bunch of uh, pears and apples and chopped those up, strained out the strawberries and cherries, which, uh, and at this point, you know, I'm tasting it throughout the process too. It doesn't taste very good at this point. Chop up a bunch of apples and pears and throw it in there. um, And that does start fermenting kind of like crazy. Um, and I leave that in there for about a week. It's foaming pretty good. Um, <clears throat> but it also got really thick and like gelatinous. And I'm assuming that's from the pectin that's in the apples and pears. I could be totally wrong. Pectin? Pectin's like uh, fruit gelatin, basically. It's what makes jelly jelly. Okay. Um, so it really, it had the texture of like a thin jelly. Um, like an orange Julius. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Um, it also could be some sort of uh, strange wild yeast growth or bacteria. I'm not sure. Um, it and so, but it had been bubbling, um, and at this point, I had had it kind of open to the air. So I tasted at this point. It tastes okay. Um, mostly it kind of just tastes like slightly alcoholic oxidized pear juice that's thick, like, uh, if you like 
took a jar of Smuckers and mixed it with an equal amount of water. Like that's the texture we're talking about. And vodka. Right. Water <laughs> yeah, splash vodka. a little vodka in there. Um, so anyway, that's pretty gross. So I strained out all the fruit. Uh, I watered it down with more water and more maple syrup to give it a more texture, more like a beverage rather than like a weird spread. And I added uh, about a quarter of a packet of champagne yeast to it. Um, and put it in the bottles, put the airlocks on top of it. So uh, it's no longer um, being exposed to oxygen, which would what would be what made turned it into vinegar. Um, and it's bubbling away like crazy now. It's on, I did that on, I guess yesterday I did it. So it's been bubbling away like crazy since then. I'm assuming it's like a mixture of the wild yeast and also the champagne yeast. Um, so what I'm hoping is that, you know, it doesn't make me sick when I'm drinking it later. It passed the first test, but I didn't go blind. Right, yeah. Well, no, that only happens, I think, with, like, poorly home-distilled spirits. Right. So, uh, will it be carbonated? Uh, I'm going to put some into bottles, yeah, and that will be carbonated. Um, yeah. i got to find a and store that sells Grolsch. Should be interesting. Right, yeah. Uh, Do you have any uh, concept of what its alcohol content, content is going to be? No idea. Yeah. But I'm hoping uh, I added the champagne yeast because that I know can handle higher alcohol content. Uh, okay. Or that's what I've been told anyway. I, I bought the champagne yeast because it was on sale at the homebrew store for like 79 cents for the packet. Well, so. Right, right. You can't pass that shit up. Right, yeah. So it's basically yeah. free yeast. So anyway, we're going to see. Like, I'm going to take this and kind of go like play it all the way out i do not think that it's going to be good um but we'll see what does your girlfriend michelle think about it she thinks it's gross and right. to be fair when it was a jug like it's much less gross now than it was when it was a jug full of gelatinous fruit that was just kind of like slowly bubbling away your brain in the jar. Yeah, exactly. Well, no, that's like that's the thing. Is a friend of mine who does homebrew stuff says that it might have gone in the direction of kombucha, but I don't think that a scoby ever formed. So interesting. We'll see. <clears throat> okay, so do you think it's going to be wine or mead or beer I think, or what? I think mead has to be made by with. Uh, Honey. Technically. Okay. I think and that you are not putting honey in, you're putting maple syrup. It's maple syrup, yeah. So I think that technically what I'm making is known as like country wine or hooch. Hooch. Um It's not moonshine, it's hooch. It's hooch, yeah. It's not moonshine, it's hooch. Mm -hmm. I think I just got like a couple jars of hooch going right now. 
what is the function of the sugar of the I mean of the maple syrup or of the honey? I mean, is that what is fermenting right now? Right. Yeah. The the yeast eats the carbohydrates and metabolizes them into alcohol. Delicious, delicious alcohol. Right. Delicious, delicious alcohol and mead. So like. <clears throat> You were saying before we got on that mead kind of evoked these thoughts of like Vikings or whatever, right? What did you say? What, what, what? What was it that you said mead made you think of? Yeah, like Vikings, like drinking mead out of your drinking horns, like right. Thor of old and bullshit like that. Right. So I wanted to ask you questions about that. Yeah, yeah, Um. Right. Is that accurate or is that just like, you know? No, that's totally accurate. And that is uh, like also like probably one of the first um, like intentionally produced forms of alcohol. Like that's old school. And <clears throat> it's kind of all connected. It's funny. I've like been reading a lot about honey Um and honey, it's it's interesting because honey is like, uh, like going way back to like hunter gatherers, right? Okay. Um, and like when you're like foraging for something, when you're foraging, um, and you like what you're looking for is something that's like, like has the most kind of, uh, what's the word? calories basic no you're looking for something that has like the most calories basically and okay. and that's basically carbohydrates like you get more there's like more calories in like fat and protein but it's much harder to digest and like a lot of the a lot of the calories get passed before they're like metabolized and so uh -huh. like your your biggest bang for your buck calorie wise which is like if you're like a subsistence like hunter gatherer carbohydrates is what you want and like honey has the most carbohydrates like sugar has the most it's carbohydrates it's, it's pure sugar it's just basically you know honey is basically digested already by the bees so it's like gives you immediate like it's like immediate um, energy, like calories, Delicious right? Delicious bee shit. Right, yeah, exactly. And so, and you know, like, being attracted to alcohol is not like a uniquely human thing. Like, making right. alcohol is a uniquely human thing. But there's like endless examples of like, if a... Like fruit... Will, other mammals. Fr Maybe, right. I don't know about birds, but I know yeah, other birds mammals, too. Like, yeah, fermented fermented fruit. Right. It like it's a quick and easy shot of glucose. Am I am I wrong about that? Like you're getting like carb, your carbs right. in the form of glucose. Glucose and, yeah. and drunk. And the feeling of getting drunk, here's my hot take. Maybe I'm completely off my rocker about this. Maybe the feeling enjoying the feeling of getting drunk might actually be an evolutionary development. Because you're trying to get that quick glucose carbohydrate shot. Right. And it also, it, it like, it's like a 
it's like a riches thing, right? Because it's like you only get drunk off of fruit if you have so much fruit that Thank you me. can like hang on to some of it for a while. I, yeah, they, they, you they know, waste it. Um, huh. And that's so, and so, like, but with honey, honey has a lot of sucrose, but it also has a lot of fructose, which metabolizes okay. slower than sucrose. Um, so it's like, it's like a honey's like a superfood. It's got like all this good shit in it. It has all of these like botanicals from flowers um, and different vitamins, and it also has a shitload of yeast in it. So what I've learned is that if you just water down honey to a higher than like 17% water saturation, honey will just start uh, fermenting because it has so much yeast in it, which comes from flowers uh, right. and the air. And so like in a hunter-gatherer society, you like find a bee's nest and you like take it down and take all the honey and you bring it back and you put it in a jar. Ow, 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 right. Ow. <laughs> and maybe like if you have a lot of it, you put it in a jar or maybe if you like stretch it, you add some water to it or whatever and you keep it in a jar and then boom, it turns into mead. And people like figured this out in prehistory for sure. You know what I okay, mean? Okay, so let me guess what you're getting at. If you're the king and you got more honey than anybody else, you got enough honey that it turns into meat. Is that what you're getting at? No, well, no, I think that just like like the making of mead just was a natural... It wasn't like a scientific breakthrough. You know what I mean? Okay. It's just something that happened. Um, and, you know, people were like, oh, honey is good. But if you like add a little water to it, let it sit around for a week or so, it'll get you drunk. You know what I mean? Candy is dandy, but liquor is quicker. Right, like exactly. A quote. Um, and so I forget where I was going with this. Oh, so anyway, yeah, people. Mead, like the like. Why is mead the first alcohol that human society? As created. Right. Because it just happens by itself, basically. And also, right. it'll, like, stay around if you just, like, honey could go bad, but mead won't go bad. You know, you just, like, put it in a jar. It'll stay good forever because the alcohol preserves it. What does mead taste like? It depends. Like, sometimes it's sweet, but you can also, like, ferment it until it's totally dry. Um, like wine, you know? Okay, so my next question is, mm -hmm. uh, like, uh, we brought this up because I associate this with, like, the Norse, right? Uh -huh. Like Odin and Thor and the Vikings drinking mead out of their uh, 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 horns. Right. But, like, the Norse society was not the first human civilization. There right. were more ancient human civilizations than the Norse. What, if any, alcohol did they produce? Sumerians, Egyptians, or ancient India? India. Uh, palm wine is a big thing in like palm tree 
producing countries. Uh, I just learned about that. And that's crazy because you just get palm sap and it ferments instantly. And like you make it, it ferments in a couple of hours to like seven or eight percent alcohol. And then you have to drink it immediately. Otherwise it goes bad the next day. Oh, gross. <clears throat> yeah. Um, and then, but like the reason that the meat is associated, I think it with this kind of like Northern is cause it's like a, it's a preserved item. Right. And like, if you have a serious winter, you need to preserve stuff, which is done through fermentation. And so that's how you end up with like beer and mead and stuff kind of being more bigger in the Northern areas. That makes sense. Yeah. Also, that ooh, that makes sense to me why certain like uh, cultures who are closer to the equator are more like we don't drink alcohol, right? But they, you know, like they do mead and like mead is a big thing in African, like ancient African cultures too. Oh, interesting. Um, like anywhere where there's honey, people are de- have been making mead like forever. And there's like bees everywhere because like that's how you like anywhere where there's agriculture basically you have bees because that's how you pollinate plants, you know? Yeah. Huh. That's fascinating. So what is the difference between say like ancient African mead from what Ghana or Mali or the ancient kingdoms of northeastern Africa? And European need of England or uh, Scandinavia. Uh, well, I mean, like, I don't. If you ever have a chance to do a honey tasting, this may sound really weird. You should definitely do it. Sounds because... like the best thing ever. <laughs> Where do I go to do this? Because you know, honey. You get honey, and it's like, oh, this is clover honey, or this is orange blossom honey. But like. Whatever the bees are eating really, like, whatever the flowers the bees are getting their pollen from really influences the flavor of the honey. So you, and the color, too. So you get all these honeys, like, and, you know, they'll all turn into mead. So if you, like, your bees are getting all of their pollen from, like, barley flowers, it's going to taste like barley mead or, like, whatever. Um, but that's a, that's a whole thing. Cool. Okay. Yeah. So I, I have another question. Yeah. I, I'm going to pivot away from me. Okay. So if you got some more mead hot takes, you need to throw on us. Let me know. Uh, no, I don't think I have anything else to say about mead, except for, I'll, we'll keep you updated on my, my maple hooch for sure. Right. So in kind of the the contemporary and or modern cultures that we live in, why has mead not taken off in mass production in the way that, say, wine or beer has? I think it's a cost thing. Like, I think it's way easier to, like, you know, like, it probably costs in raw materials to make a can of Budweiser probably costs less than one-tenth of one cent. You know what I mean? Like, all the cost in beer production is in facilities and, you know, 
aging and storing and transportation, you know, and whatever refrigeration. Um, but I think that like, you know, honey's not that honey's not super expensive, but it's like, you know, a 12 pack of mead, you know, you get a 12 pack of beer for whatever, 10, 10 to $18, say. $9.95 for a 12 pack of uh, Bud Light. Right. And, and, you know, probably a 12, like the same volume of mead is probably would run you like 30 bucks or something. Yeah. 30 to 50 bucks. Even at a, you know. Fascinating to think about given what we were just talking about where honey is like the initial carb source. Right. And it's also, it's like, you know, it's easier to make mead than it is to make beer. Because all you got to do is take honey and mix it with some water. Raw Uh raw honey. And let it ferment. Right. And And it has to be like untreated water too. It can't have like chlorine in it or whatever. (laughs) Sorry. When you said untreated water, I was like, it's just got to go down to the gutter and with your bucket. Right. (laughs) That's not what you meant. Yeah, exactly. No, but it's like, I, I, you know, it's funny. I was reading a lot of these, I was reading this book and like online a lot of stuff. And it's like, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, I don't understand why this isn't working. And it's like, well, your municipality treats your drinking water with chlorine and that kills yeast, you know. A fluoride? Possibly. Fluoride. No, I don't but, think fluoride. I mean, like, there's definitely fluoride in New York City water. And I just made my shit with tap water and it's going fine. Oh, okay. So wait, 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 wait. So now this is totally not on topic. What municipalities treat their water with chlorine and which ones do not? I don't know. You should look. I mean, it's, you know, public information. You can look it up. Yeah, well, I'm going to get vaccinated tomorrow, so it doesn't matter. Right. Because you won't need to drink water anymore after that. Well, like Bill Gates will already control my mind whether I'm drinking chlorinated water or not. Uh... Fluoride, water. Sorry. Fluoride, though, is in most water. It should be in all. Like, everybody should be drinking water that's treated with fluoride. Well, it's messed up if you're not. You know, I grew up drinking well water. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah, so you... That wouldn't have fluoride in it. A lot of people don't live on the water grid, you know? Well, if you're on the water grid, it should be treated with fluoride. Shout out to my mom who drinks out of a well water. <laughs> they're, they're, they're not drinking that Dr. Strange well water. So, uh, Champaign, Illinois chlor- is chlorinated water. Chlorine at rates of about one part per million. And that's to kill bacteria. Yeah. So that would kill, like, you don't, if you're going to make mead, you don't want to use your tap water because it'll kill everything. Okay, that, that, great, great, good, wonderful, good to know, excellent. I don't think I'm making mead. <laughs> <laughs> um, so when is it going to be ready? Um, uh, I think that it'll probably be ready to go into bottles in like a week or two. Uh-huh. 
who knows? Like, I'm just going to wait for it to kind of die down on the bubbling and then I'll put it in bottles and some of it I'll put in bottles. Some of it I'll drink right out of the... Because it's not going to get like more alcoholic in the bottle. It's going to be like at its max alcohol once I take it out of the fermenting jug. Uh Um, Or, you know, it's going to be a negligible amount of alcohol growth. But I'm going to try to make some of it carbonated. And what you do then is you put your shit in bottles with just like a couple drops of more maple syrup and the leftover yeast. uh, Like the bottle is then sealed and the leftover yeast continues to do its thing and produce produce the co2 bubbles and then it and then it uh will be carbonated mm-hmm. so and what are you going to name it i don't know i you know <clears throat> batch number one i don't know i'm gonna make some with just honey soon uh-huh. um i gotta somebody's gonna get me some really nice um uh, raw honey from upstate New York and I'm just going to try to make some just straight mead with just honey and water because this one I kind of like you know usually if I'm starting with a recipe like in the kitchen I kind of go real basic first and then I like build up from that and you know you just like when you're developing a recipe you just start real basic and then build right But first, you know, this I didn't, I, you know, I didn't approach this the same way I would do something at work because I'm just like fucking around at my house reading this book. And I kind of just started, you know, I maybe will start another batch that's just maple syrup and water and some yeast. Like, so I still have some of the champagne yeast. So maybe I'll just do that. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, Because the honey will have the yeast in it already, but... uh, not not maple syrup because maple syrup is pasteurized because you boil it for like three days to get it from sap to and so there's no like natural yeast living in maple syrup you know what i'm saying yes i do because that answers a question i had in my mind about why there's no syrup like that's why yeah i you know also it's Maple syrup is a much less um, kind of like, you know, there's honey everywhere in the world. And there's only maple syrup in like very small portions of the world, you know. Right. It's like Canada and the northern United States. And like, that's it, you know. Yeah. And not even just the northeastern United States, really. Pretty much. Because it's like, you know, it's the sugar maple and it's the only, you know, it's not like all maple trees make the right kind of sap to make maple syrup. It's a specific kind of tree, um, which only lives in a very specific sort of climate. So So that's not an efficient way to make your uh, wine. Right. But, you know, it could be... You know, could be that I crack the code and then that's how I get rich, you know. But you should work on that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I will. One thing that you keep saying that I want to come back to is, you know, like, start simple and then adding complex or increasingly complex layers. Right. As 
kind of a, a, a culinary philosophy right there. Mm-hmm. And um, I like that. I like that a lot. And uh, I think that should be like kind of a guiding principle here. Yeah, um, totally. And that's, that's also like, and then you write everything down and, you know, your tasting notes. Like I, I told you, I've been making this fermented hot sauce, right? I have like an entire right. notebook. We, oh yeah, how is that going? You mentioned it last week. We should actually talk about that. How is the fermented hot sauce? Oh, it's good. I'm basically done with that project. Did you? How did it go? It's like, good. When, yeah, I have a good. I have a really good. I have one really good product, and then I have another one that I'm working on. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're both good. Culinary notes. Sorry, I got you off track. You were talking about culinary notes. Well, yeah, I basically just, you know, I did, I think it was, well, I don't know, it's not a whole notebook. So I did, I think, 12 iterations of my red fermented hot sauce, and then I'm on my second iteration of a green one. So, like, um, it's... Yeah. So anyway, I just have a lot of notes. And that's like how you end up. It's like you make something and then you taste it. And then you're like, oh, this was, I want more vinegar in this. All right. This one needs more salt or this one is too fermented or this one's not fermented enough. Uh, This one like became rotten for some reason. You know what I mean? And then like. That's a bad one. That's bad. (laughs) That didn't make the cut, yeah. So, but anyway, the point is, is that you got to write all this shit down so uh-huh. that then that's how you... You can't just, like, try a bunch of stuff and then you're like, oh, this one was really good. What did I do, you know? Right. Um, so it's important to, like, keep your records. Because then if you end up making something that's really great, it's not lost forever. And I've, like, done that so many times. Throughout my career. Yeah. Um, Hmm. And you just throw something together and it's amazing. And you're like, you can't replicate it because you forgot what you did. But if you write everything down, you don't have to remember it. And that's the point. Right. The weakest ink is stronger than the longest lasting memory. Right. Hmm. All right, ladies and gentlemen. Let's wrap this up. Sam, did we forget anything? I don't think so. What are you cooking this week? Anything? Anything on the list? No, no Super Bowl weekend. Oh, right. Fucking read. That was going to be the entire episode. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. Shit. <laughs> uh, well, we could do like a post-Super Like, what did you eat on the Super Bowl? We'll you know? have to do a post-Super Bowl weekend. Um, I really want to try those uh, ribs. Pork ribs in the crock pot. Oh, nice. I might try that this weekend. That's what I'm thinking about. And do you have any plans for the Super Bowl? Oh, we, we, I asked you this. You're just we gonna... talked about that last week. No, I have no plans. Right, but you're going to be vaccinated. What? You're going to be vaccinated, though. I will be that. Va- well, I'll have my first shot. My right. first shot tomorrow. And then I got to wait three weeks for my second shot. Right. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm on the list. Take that. Coronavirus. Right. Um, but I'm still not in any hurry to go out. And, like, I don't care about the Super Bowl. Right. 
here's a question. They're saying that if you get vaccinated, you could still carry the virus. What do you think about that? Probably. Uh, I mean, the the thing that I keep reading about is that what we're working in is generalizations. So the vaccine is 90 to 95% effective. That means it's probably effective. Right. There's one in 20 chance that you can still get COVID even if you're vaccinated. Right. Which is not a reason to not get vaccinated. It's a reason to still take certain precautions after you get vaccinated. Right. Um, so that's why I'm like, I'm not going to, you know, go to the discotheques after I, you know, I'm not going to like drop a lot of molly and go to a rave. Right. I mean, I might, but you know. But what if everyone there is vaccinated? (laughs) Only if everyone there is vaccinated. Exactly. Uh, well, that's cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll we'll see what happens. So, like, I'm not going to any Super Bowl parties, um, and and we talked about this, I think, two weeks ago. Last year's Super Bowl was the last sporting event I watched in a ball. Wow. Yes. Right, because there's no sports in between the Super Bowl and the start of baseball, which never started last year. No, there's March Madness, and I was actually at, I guess I was at a ball with some coworkers when they were like, we're not doing much. Like, they were doing the, um, the conference tournament championships. The ACC championship got shut down on TV while we were watching it right before spring break. Hmm. Last year. And that's when it's like, oh, fuck. I'm going to have to cancel my vacation to Florida. <laughs> oh, my God, Joel. You have the worst spring break plans. Um, anyway, you got any spring break plans? <laughs> no, I, I should like be like, I, where should I go to spring break just to ruin like everyone else's lives? Like, should I go to China? Should I go to, like... You should come here, I, I think. What? You should come here, I think. Remember when I tried to come there and there was a snowstorm and I canceled my flight and then the Brooklyn Nets like won a crazy game against Charlotte Hornets? No, they lost. And they uh, lost. and Dwight, Dwight Howard, Howard went 30 points and 30 rebounds. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I've had like three... Shitty spring break luck years in a row. Yeah. Highlighted by pandemic canceling my vacation to spring break and to spring training in Florida. Right. So I, I'm kind of afraid. But yeah, I'll, I'll come out to New York for spring break. No. Yeah. Why not? Yeah. I mean, COVID's still going to be here. Well, yeah, that's true. What is that, March? Yeah, third week in March. All right. Well, think about it. It could be that I'll be I'll be vaccinated by then, too. What? But then what the hell are we going to do in New York? There's no baseball. Yeah, that's true. All right. 
That's true. And yeah. Well, uh, the D, but Caribbean League, Sam, you should get uh, on ESPN Deportes uh-huh. and watch some Caribbean League baseball. It's good. Uh, Dominican Republic has defeated Panama two games in a row. Uh, not Panama, I'm sorry. Costa Rica. Cool. Uh, Panama, Venezuela, Mexico, and I want to say Colombia are also in the series right now. So, Sweet. And that's uh, my boy... Robinson Cano, I said it right this time. He's yeah, Cano Robinson. Right. Yep, and um, the uh, Yadier Molina is playing first base for Puerto Rico. Cool. Some yeah. So uh, check it out. Hi, ladies and gentlemen. <clears throat> this is the Dump on the Jump, ostensibly a baseball podcast, but it's February. We're in the off season. This has been Top O. Crop. Top uh, of the clock, everybody. We need a good catchphrase. Top of the clock. Keep cooking. Yeah. Crock it to me. Crock it to you. Hi, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks so much for listening. For Sam, my name is Joel. Have a good evening and a pleasant tomorrow. Too many full men. My mother told me. Someday I will buy dining with good doors, sail to distant shores. Is this a sea shanty? Yeah.